that pause between losing and learning is really what separates winners over the course of life. It's that subtle difference because you can win or then you can go out and compete and lose and get back up and compete again. And you're going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again without taking the time to learn. And you're going to wonder why you're never winning. Or you can go out, compete, lose, figure out what you need to do differently, add that new knowledge and wisdom to your life, apply it. Maybe you lose the second time, you add a little bit more. But what you're doing is building your knowledge base and skill set so that eventually down the line, there's no question you're hitting way more wins than you were losses because you put in all the work to develop and build and gain that knowledge through the process. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hebner, your host. Hey, did you know Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country? They provide monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax prep. Visit club.capital. On today's episode, we have Jake Thompson. Jake is a keynote speaker and chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day, which is a brand he started in 2011 by first selling t-shirts out of the trunk of his car. Jake works with organizations and individuals around the country, teaching how they can develop accountability, mental resilience, and leadership skills in order to achieve more in their careers and in their life. And Jake has a great book called Compete Every Day. Visit his website, pick up the book, and you're definitely going to share his book with the rest of your team as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jake Thompson. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating A-B split testing and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you ready to get out of the daily rut and begin working at your highest level? Coach P Consulting will help you do just that using the same strategies he did to sell over 500 life insurance policies in 2020 and own track for over 600 life insurance policies in 2021. No, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look at the behind the scenes team training and an office performing at the highest level. Coach P currently has a 100% retention rate for everyone who joins. And hey, those numbers speak for themselves. Coach P will train your team alongside his own to show you the exact steps they are taking to achieve Chairman Circle and two agencies, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club. 
So whether your goal is to be the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and tactics to get you there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level. His strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpconsulting.com and get 50% off your first month of coaching when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Again, that's coachpconsulting.com. Jake Thompson, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Man, excited to be here. Great way to spend the afternoon. Absolutely. All right. So we always start with a background and origin story. We've got so many things I want to cover with you today. So why don't you just take a few minutes to kind of walk us through your journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So born and raised Texan, grew up thinking I was going to be the next Jerry Maguire, went down that path for a couple of years in college. And right after that, before realizing that wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. It's 2008. For those of us that have enough experience under our belt, we remember how bad the economy was at that point. And honestly, I just couldn't get a job. Like not even Best Buy would hire me for like holiday stuff because I had an MBA in sports and entertainment business. And I had very non-traditional work experience having worked with the Dallas Cowboys, having worked with the Arena League team, and then spending a couple of years in the sports agency world. And so I was kind of stuck. And so at the time, I knew marketing, I knew strategy, social media was really new. And so I just started working with some different companies that needed help. They just wanted to learn it. They didn't know how to blog. They didn't know how to do anything. Built a consulting business for a few years that filled the bank account up, I won't lie, but left me pretty empty on the inside And I started exploring what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life. Making money was fun. It allowed me to do some fun things. And I love making money, but I want to do it doing something I love. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this idea of competing every day, not against someone else, but against myself. I was an uber competitive kid growing up. I was a smaller kid in athletics. And so for me, competition was the opportunity to prove to you I was going to outwork you and I was going to outsmart you. And so I looked at this from a new perspective now in my late 20s of how do you compete every day against yourself? If if competing brings out our best, if we push ourselves harder in practice, if we play better in games, if we do things that we didn't quite think we were capable of in that sports setting, what would it look like if we applied it to the rest of our life? And so in May of 2011, I launched this company, Compete Every Day, not really knowing what I wanted to do. At the time, it was just t-shirts and tank tops. It was workout gear. We were selling to racers, to CrossFitters, to fitness people. And I started selling them out of the trunk of my car behind a gym in Dallas, just as a side hustle on the side of my consulting. But the more people I talked to, the more I could see the wheels turning when we talked about what does it mean to compete against yourself? And Mm -hmm. so I knew something was there. Flash forward 10 years later, I tried a lot of things. I failed at a lot of things. I did a few things right and ultimately started shifting the business to something that would fit the lifestyle I wanted and the life that I really wanted to live, which is what today looks like. Now I'm a full-time speaker. I travel around doing keynotes and workshops for teams, associations, conferences. I have a book that came out last year called, ironically enough, Compete Every Day, working on book number two. And then we still do apparel as kind of another way to encourage people with the message of showing up every day, giving your best shot and not getting to the end of your career or the end of your life asking, what if I'd shown up and given my best? So I have to ask, in Dallas, Texan, are you hook'em horns? No, 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 no. no. I'm actually going to be one of those people the Big 12 calls offensive with the horns down. Uh, That is me. I am a proud TCU Horn Frog and I'm married an Oklahoma Sooner. So there's no orange 
anywhere in our household <laughs> whatsoever. Well, at the time we're recording this, a lot of talk about yep. Texas, Oklahoma coming to the SEC. That I'm in the SEC it is country. A done deal now. Yeah, man, crazy, right? I mean, yep. it's, uh, anyway, we can My talk about that all day. Out to the side, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, so as we talked in our podcast pre-call and I mentioned to you. I just think your message resonates so much with me. I played sports in college. Sports has been a huge part of my life. Sports is a huge part of my son's life and it has taught me so much. And I realize that there's this parallel between like competing and in sports is obviously this idea of like competing against other people, but competing against yourself. And so I love that because I think it's not subtle to say, hey, look, you know, we always want to try to find another business owner, right? Everybody listens to this as a business owner, has a team that they're leading. And so they can have this idea of competition to somebody else, as opposed to saying, what's the best version of yourself? In fact, I think I heard somebody say once, hell on earth would be to meet the person you could have become. Without a doubt. I love that your kids are involved in sports. I mean, I'm so passionate about it because of the lessons it teaches us as kids that we use in life. And we get stuck in the mindset, and I did for most of my life, of me versus you. Being that smaller kid, like, I just want to beat you. And as I've gotten older, I've realized how many opportunities I miss by having just that narrow focus. Because if I'm worried about the guy who's backing me up, taking my spot, and he's the only person I'm focused on, well, then I'm not focusing on my opportunities to improve and what I do well. I mean, in high school, the guy that played behind me my senior year, great friend, incredibly physically talented. He could probably throw it 70 yards on a dime. But we played completely different games. I was a more cerebral player. I was a little more athletic. We played a whole different style. And if I tried to play in his game and focus on just him, I would have lost. I wouldn't have played to my advantages. I wouldn't have played to my strengths. I probably would have lost my starting position. And so I had to focus on what I did well and play that game. And and that's really life. It doesn't matter what city we live in. There's hundreds of other people doing the work we're doing. If we're talking insurance, there's other people out there selling it. 100%. What do you do well? What are your strengths? And then when you look at other people, are you looking at them to compare yourself to them and try to compete against them? Or are you looking to say, what do they do well? What can I learn from them that applies to my game? And what am I absolutely completely different on that I can take to the marketplace and tell a different story to my customers? Mm. And that's been huge for me. And that's huge in the people I talk to and coach and work with, because as a speaker, there's hundreds of speakers. And I have friends that speak on similar topics to I do. They have different brands and messages, but we talk a lot about the same things from focus, mindset, leadership. And we talk about specifics. Like I have no problem telling you, this is what I do. This is how I market. This is how I grow the business because I know what I do well. And I know what you do well. And I'm going to learn something from you, whether it's delivery, whether it's marketing, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to learn from you, but I'm not going to compare because that's simply a waste of my time and energy that can be spent into serving my clients and showing up better. Yeah, so true. I think I've heard it be called an abundance mindset, yep. right? It's an abundance That's mindset it. over a scarcity mindset. And when I first started my first business, there was somebody that competed against me. Now, they didn't know I was competing, that they competed against me, but I saw them as competition. Now that person has become actually a pretty good friend. And at the time I was like, oh, there's the devil, you know? And now it's like, oh, was actually a pretty cool guy. And he's really, I've learned a lot from working with him. Okay, so-, so I want to say something on that note, the abundance yeah. mindset, especially with competition, because I know our listeners played sports, a lot of them growing up. The abundance mindset is playing to win. Mm. 
the scarcity mindset is playing not to lose. Mm. And there's a dramatic difference. If you remember playing, if you're playing not to lose, you're tight, you're terrified of making a mistake, you're focusing on what the ref called or anything out of your control. When you're playing to win, you're confident yes. in the work you put in, you're showing up, you're playing looser, you're relaxed because you know you've done the work and you're going to find a way to score. And that's essentially it in life. If we can learn how to play to win, we're not afraid of a failure. We're not afraid of a mess up because we're going to get back up and keep going versus looking at that competition, that one mistake as being the end all be all. Well, that is so true. I was just thinking, so I'm a golfer and playing a tournament is different when you play in a tournament because the stakes are higher. Oh, yeah. You stand up on a hole that's a challenging hole for you and you're like, oh my goodness, just please don't hit it out of bounds, right? Or just don't duck hook it in the water or whatever versus having a mindset of like, no, 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 I'm out there playing with my boys on a Friday and I'm just going to pipe it down the middle. It's a totally different idea of like playing to win versus playing not to lose. I love that. And, and when you're thinking about hitting it out of bounds, when you're telling yourself, don't hit it out of bounds, don't hit it out of bounds, the chances and percentages you hit it out of bounds are dramatically higher that you're going to hit it out of bounds. It's just the research they did on people shooting free throws when you're sitting at the line. If you're telling yourself don't miss, yeah. the chances you miss are like 80% higher than if you have a neutral mindset or you're thinking about making it. And so that plays in golf, especially because you're by yourself, you're in your own head, just the same as when we're in our office and we're by ourselves doing the work. Yeah. You know, versus saying, okay, like in our business, I don't want to lose money. We're not making the sales we need to move in. Like we get so focused on that. Like I don't want to hit it out of bounds that we actually move more towards that. Right. As opposed to what exactly we want to move towards. Yeah. And it starts with the question of when we're focusing on hitting it out of bounds on, man, I don't want to lose sales. I don't want to lose this. I can't afford this. We're taking our focus off of the process, which is what we 100% control. What calls are we making today? How are we reaching out to our prospects and our current clients? What are we doing to build our business within our control? We're taking our focus off of that and we're putting it only on the outcome, the loss, mm. the end all be all. And a lot of times, as we know, in sales, we don't determine when that customer is ready to buy. Our mm -hmm. job is to tell the story better and put ourselves in a position when they are ready to buy. There's no question it's from us. And so there's a ton of things that we do that are 100% in our control. And we have to take a productive mindset to focus on it. And that's really where we get ourselves into trouble is focusing on the outcome or the fear or what if this goes wrong. And what we do is we take our focus off of what we have and what we can control and put it on the things outside of our control, which exhaust us mentally, which exhaust us physically because it's exhausting us mentally and usually ends up causing us to do nothing, which in the long run ends up making that terrible outcome inevitable. Because if we're not doing the work, we're not going to get the sale. Versus mm -hmm. how can I be productive in this moment to move toward the outcome that I want, knowing I don't control it, but I can influence my chances of reaching it. Yeah, that's so true. Because you could do everything right. And especially in sales, that doesn't mean that you're actually going to win it. I'm sure for you, the same thing applies whenever you're going to try to get a keynote, right? Yeah. For a speaking engagement. I mean, you're not probably closing 100% of those. <laughs> and you know that. Even the ones, if you focus on like, oh man, this is a great opportunity, right? This is my audience. There's people I want to speak to. If you get so focused on that outcome of like seeing yourself on that stage there versus how do I cultivate this relationship, right? Yeah, it's the same process. And one of the things about it that what happens is when you get really tied up in that outcome and you don't get it, it's like a body blow. Like you are just like, oh, 
Like, why didn't I get it? You start to feel sorry for yourself. You move toward that victim mentality versus understanding with sales, it's timing, it's fit. There's a number of factors that go into it. And so I have to focus on how do I put myself in the best position to be the right solution for your audience? Not, is this the right speaker? Does Jake solve the right problem we need this year for our audience? And here's the thing, after they made their decision, if they go with me, great, it's a reinforcement. This is the outcome we want. This is the message we want to give. If they go with someone else, well, then I have an opportunity, one, to cultivate that relationship for next year because rarely do you speak the same organization and association back-to-back years. It's usually every three to four years. So I continue to build that relationship. I then figure out who they hire. Does this person, are they at a lower fee than I am? What is their message? How is it different than mine? Oh, they have almost a similar message to me. Well, how do they package it? How do they communicate it? What are they doing differently that I need to learn and how I deliver and sale? And so then it goes from a man, woe is me situation. I didn't get this gig to a learning opportunity, which at the end of the day, that's what competition is. We don't win every time we step on the field. We don't win every time we go out in sales. But most people see it as I win or I lose. Champions understand I win or I learn something. I take the time after that loss to evaluate the situation, to figure out what I'm going to learn, how I'm going to use it to get better, and then I'm going to go compete again. And, And that pause between losing and learning is really what separates winners over the course of life. It's that subtle difference because you can win. Or then you can go out and compete and lose and get back up and compete again. And you're going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again without taking the time to learn. And you're going to wonder why you're never winning. Or you can go out, compete, lose, figure out what you need to do differently. Add that new knowledge and wisdom to your life. Apply it. Maybe you lose the second time. You add a little bit more. But what you're doing is building your knowledge base and skill set so that eventually down the line, there's no question you're hitting way more wins than you were losses because you put in all the work to develop and build and gain that knowledge through the process. All right. So I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable here. What's an example of something maybe in the last five years of an opportunity that you lost, but looking back on it, you're so grateful that that didn't happen because of what you learned from that. That one's an easy one. So 2019 was really my second full year speaking. I started speaking really 2015 loosely. 2018 was doing it more full time. 2019 I'm in. And I had I think four or five events, but there's one specific one I remember who the meeting planner said, we think your message is on point. We think you're the best speaker for this. However, our president wants to hire somebody that has a book. So everyone gets something to walk away with. Mm. I said, cool, I'll see you next year. Yeah. And that was the, I'd been sitting on the fence on this book. I'd been collecting stories. I'd been doing everything, but writing it. And I said, if I want to get to where I want to be in my career, if I want to influence the people that way I want to, I got to write this book and I have Mm. no more excuses. So I sat down and wrote it, came out last year in the middle of the pandemic, and it's created more opportunities to get on stages and to work with companies than I ever anticipated in just over a year's time at this point, really. And so that was one of those where I could have just been like, you know what, screw y'all. I'm going to be a speaker. I don't need a book. I don't want to do this. But man, having those conversations and realizing it's within my control to write a book. It's simply a choice I have to make to do the dirty work of writing it. And if I really want to succeed, I'm seeing, man, I've lost three, four, five of these in a row because of this. Then that's what I need to do to win those. And right now you go through the same thing. We have a book. Well, you know, we want to hire this speaker because 
they spoke here or this is their topic. Awesome. They have an incredible story. What am I going to learn from them? What am I going to learn about that hiring process of why they chose that person over me? And then how am I going to apply it with every conversation I have going forward? Yeah, that's such a great example because you just needed something to be a catalyst. That's what it was. You just needed something to be a catalyst. All right. So I've been meaning to ask you, I see the book up behind you on your right shoulder is grit. And so I really wanted to talk to you about grit because I mean, honestly, you started your business on grit, like determination. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. 2011, I'm going to sell shirts out of the back and people can relate to that. They start their insurance agency or whatever, and they are talking to every single person in line at Subway, right? They're shaking hands, doing whatever. Over time, though, we begin to lose a little bit of that grit, that grittiness, that entrepreneurial spirit about it. So number one, talk about grit. And then number two, I really want to transition. I want to ask you about talking about what are the things to do? I guess it would be considered a morning routine, right? Like what our morning routine to get our minds right, to be able to have the mindset to compete every day. Yeah. So on regards to grit, so if you haven't read Angela Duckworth's book, I'll highly, highly recommend it because she talks about grit being the passion and perseverance for that long-term goal, being willing to show up and do the work until you succeed, however long that takes. And, And her research shows that in the long run, work ethic is twice as important as talent. Work ethic is twice as important as talent. And so for me, I didn't have this influential status that athletes have when they start an apparel company. I didn't have a background working at a major shoe company or brand like other people had. I I had to do things differently and, and I had to be okay failing, trying to figure it out. And what I learned specifically in my journey and what helped me become so gritty in that process was two things. The first was the story I told myself internally, our attitude, our actions, our effort, those I consider are controllables. Because no matter what happens, we still determine what attitude we show up with, what actions we take, and what effort we give. Rain, snow, sleet, or hail, like we control those things in our life. And they're really influenced by the stories we tell ourselves. Because if we're in, take for instance, our first job, a lot of us might have had an internship. And like a lot of internships, you're getting coffee and bagels. And you hate it because you just got this college degree or you worked over in this other industry for a while and you're having to start over and I'm too good for this. Why am I having to do this? This is rookie work. And so we tell ourselves this story that we're too good with it. And how do you think our effort and actions show up? Mm. Just kind of do the job. It's nothing Mm. crazy. Or we tell ourselves, man, I'm going to be the best coffee and bagel person this company has ever seen. I'm going to use this opportunity to network with every single person in the company because who doesn't love the individual that's going to get coffee and bagels? And so I'm going to get the best bagels and the best coffee, and I'm going to use it for my opportunity to build relationships with every single person in this company. Mm. Same situation, same job, two different stories. And I 100% assure you two different outcomes over the course of their career just because of the story we told themselves. So for me, that story really pivoted in really 2012 when I was at lunch with a buddy of mine and he was asking how the business was going. And you're in your first year, you're probably not doing what you thought you were. I wasn't at the level I anticipated to be in in 12 months. And I was kind of just like, I don't know, like it's just not going the way I thought. And he looked at me and said, well, it's a good thing you're your own worst accountability partner. Mm. I was like, what? He said, think about it. Your message is competing every day. No matter what you're facing, no matter how long it takes, you show up and compete. He said, so you're kind of stuck with this brand for the rest of your life. Because whether one person or 10 people or 100 people or 100,000 people believe in that message, 
they believe in you because you live that message. So if you quit, you're telling them this is actually not the way to succeed. So you've created your own worst accountability. Hmm. And I remember that because I called on that story multiple times throughout the journey of here's why I show up. Quitting is not an option. I can change the business. I can change how I do business, but I'm not giving up this message because I believe it's important and can change people's lives if they show up and apply it. And so the story we tell ourselves is 100% up to us. It's not usually our default story, but if you're waking up every day, whatever those first thoughts are, whatever you're telling yourself, man, this is hard, man, this is frustrating, man, I'm no good at this. Or you catch yourself and say, you know what? This is a challenge. Challenges make me better. How can I solve this challenge? How can I find a way through this problem? How can I be that person that I need right now, five years from now? When someone else is starting in this business and they don't know where to go and who to look to and how to learn from anybody, I can be that person for them because I'm going to go through this. The story we tell ourselves changes how we show up. And on that same note with grit, a lot of us lose our motivation after the first stretch coming out of the gate. We're on fire. We started our business. We started our new practice. We're rolling. And then we lose that momentum. And the Mm -hmm. reason we lose the momentum is not from the work, but where we're focused. We're focused on how far we have to go. We're focused on how much we've done without getting the reward we want. We focus on all of these things outside of our control instead of what do I need to do today to improve my business, to find new prospects, and to tell a better story. Mm. That's it. What do I need to do today? See, when we take our focus off of how far we have to go, how much work is left to do, where we're trying to get to, and just put it on what do I need to do today to improve my position for tomorrow, we build our grit. Because grit is being able to play the long game about surviving and hanging on and thriving after everyone else gives up. And we do that not by focusing on how far we have to go, but by focusing on what are we going to do today and putting our blinders on to everything else. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents. So we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So it's so important to lay out a vision of where you want to take the business. But if you just focus there and don't actually then say, okay, now what's the actual yellow brick road? What's the brick I need to lay today to get there? Then it just ends up being the fantasy land and like this aspirational goal, right? Yeah. And you burn out and you lose it and you get demotivated. I mean, the whole one of the chapters in my book, Embrace the Process, is specifically around this. And I use the story of running a half marathon and how I got myself in a little bit of trouble with it. But from that, I found a way to work through it, the daily focus. And we have a competitor scorecard that's in the book. It's a free download for anybody. But it's about knowing where you're going and then getting your eyes off the finish line and saying, what's the next step? There's a phrase in football, you win your championships in practice. You only pick them up on game day. If we're Mm. obsessed with the outcome, we're not going to show up and do the work today in practice that we need to get that outcome. And so 
that's where we build our grit. That's where we improve our business. That's where we change our lives. The problem most people don't, or the reason most people don't do it, and the biggest problem is because they only see it as one day. I can't change everything today. I'm not going to get myself out of this debt today. I'm not going to lose all this weight today. But what they fail to realize is that unless they do something today, they're never going to. Mm. And so we wake up with the mentality of, I'm not worried about the end result. I'm worried about getting better today, improving my position for tomorrow, because I know compounding interest over time. If I keep stacking the same small choice on top of each other, I'm going to get the results I want. All right. So... The question I wanted to ask you, somebody's listening to this and they're like, yes, yes, yes. But at some point, there's going to be a day that they're going to wake up. They're going to be tired and they're going to be drained and they're not going to feel good. They're going to have a cold. I don't know. Maybe COVID. It doesn't. I mean, they're not going to be feeling it that day. And so the idea, that's when the day gets really tough to compete that day. What are the things that you do or recommend that we do? to switch our mindset of that day and say, okay, look, yeah, my energy is low. I am drained. It's been a tough week. It's been a long day, whatever it is. I've got some personal things, challenges going in my life. What are the things we need to do to break out of that mental cycle that we're having that day that when we wake up? Yeah. So if you only work out on the days you're motivated, you're not going to ever get in shape. And the same applies with building our businesses. If we show up and give our best only on the days we feel like it, We're never really going to build a solid business because it's about showing up and doing the work on the days you don't want to be there, on the days you lack the motivation. And the way we do that is by creating systems and plans ahead of time that help us every day move the needle. For me, I use my competitor scorecard. We've got a version of it coming out later this year with the journal, but it's literally just identifying three things I have to do that day. Probably like you, my to-do list is 20, 30, 40 things long. There's a million things we need to do to run our business. However, if we were to be honest with ourselves, there's only two or three that truly move the needle the direction we want to. Making sales calls, finding new prospects, following up with clients, like the key things that drive the business. Not the, I got to get an ad into the paper. I got to do this or that. It's all the other stuff. And so on those days that I wake up and I just don't feel it because I have those days too. I have to remind myself, what do I just need to do today to move forward? What's the one or two things that if I complete today and I don't get anything else done, I can go to bed tonight knowing I got better today. I made progress. The business moved forward. And the funny thing is people tend to think that mental performance coaches or mentally tough people, they don't have those days or those thoughts. And if you know who David Goggins is, Mm -hmm. one of the most mentally tough people out there, Goggins talks about like he still hears the voices quit running, slow down, you're tired. Like he still hears. Interviewed Brian Miles, who's the Cleveland, I guess, Guardians now, mental performance coach, Major League Baseball. And he talked about, you know, just running. He set a goal to do some running and he said like a mile or two in, he's hearing that voice of like, we should quit early. You're not feeling it today. I'm not good. And he has to force himself to say, just go another step. Just go another step. Get to that light post, get to that stop sign, follow through with the commitment you made to yourself. And that's the thing. It's not that mentally tough people are different than everybody else. They just have built a system where they're going to show up and do the work even on the days they don't feel like it. Because even in sports, there's some games the ball gets kicked off and you feel it, you're on fire. And there's some days that you're just not there. But do you still show up and give your best? Your best is going to look different today versus tomorrow versus when you haven't had a week of sleep and you're 
run down because you got a newborn or whatever the case may be, will you still give up and give your best? Because when an athlete leaves the field, there's only two ways you leave the field. You leave the field confident that you gave everything you had in practice, preparation, and performance. You weren't perfect. You could have made a different player too, but you know in that moment you gave everything you had to prepare for this moment, to practice for it, and then to perform. Or you leave the field knowing you cheated yourself in practice. Then you didn't really go that hard during drills because you weren't that motivated today. And and in the game, your focus was on the after party than on the actual snap at hand. And you walk off the field kicking yourself with regret because you know you left something on the table. Mm. The same applies to our career and lives. We may not hit the goal that we initially set when we started the company, but if we get to the end of our career, we know I showed up every single day. I did at least one thing every day that made my business better. I took control of my schedule and my calendar. So I ran it versus it running me. Didn't quite get to where I wanted on the scoreboard, but man, look at all I did. And I can rest easy knowing I gave this thing everything I had. It's way different than getting to the end of your career, realizing you didn't hit your goal and realizing the reason you didn't hit your goal is because of the lack of consistent effort you gave. And so on the days that you don't feel it, I wake up for me, I'm writing down what are the two to three things that I need to do today? The most important things. I may be done with them before lunch. That afternoon, if I'm feeling it, I'm going to keep going. If not, maybe I'm going to go work out. Maybe I'm going to go play a round of golf. Maybe I'm going to clear my head or rest. But it's key that on the days that we don't feel it, we reinforce who we want to be a disciplined, Mm. successful business owner. We reinforce those things by simply doing the work. Atomic Habits is up here on my shelf as well by James Clear. If you haven't read that, he talks about the importance of the days you're not motivated to go to the gym, go to the gym, do a 10-minute workout. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be your best workout. But what it's going to do is reinforce the fact that I'm a person who works out and takes care of my body. And the more you do that, the more it aligns with your identity and the more it becomes a consistent habit. And after a while, you'll find that even though you don't feel it, you yourself know and tell yourself that I'm a person who takes action regardless of whether I feel motivated or not, because where I'm trying to go isn't dependent on how I feel today. Oh, man, that's good right there. That's good. So what about for those, you know, a lot of people listening to our podcast lead teams. Yep. Two to 25, roughly, probably, would say the majority. And a lot of them are leading sales teams. And so it's not, obviously, you got to lead yourself first, right? You got to put your oxygen mask on first. And it's kind of what a lot of the conversation up to this point has been about. But then also, you've got to then be and show up how you can lead the rest of your team. So now let's transition as we go into this next part of just really how to lead our teams to get our teams to be able to compete against their best every single day. Yeah, so competition in that sales team is always good showing up, putting a scoreboard up, making it a friendly competition against yourself so people know where they match up and even friendly competition against each other in the office because the idea is a rising tide raises all ships. We want to push each other. We want to sharpen each other. But the very start is building the relationship with those people in your office, building that connection. Every coach, every leader I've talked to reiterates the same thing. Until you get to someone's head, or excuse me, until you get to someone's heart, you're not going to get to their head until they know how much you care. They don't care how much, you know. And so our first job as leaders is to build connection. It's then to establish this is the culture and the expectations. We have to clearly define if this is my business, 
I need to clearly define what our standards of excellence are and not only clearly define them, we can have a mission statement on the wall, we can have words, but we need to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we know what this means. We need to clearly be able to communicate. If we're people that say every time we talk to someone, we're going to look each other in the eye. Every time we walk into the office, we're going to choose a positive attitude. We're going to set those expectations for everybody. We're all going to agree on it. And then here's the fun part. Then we're going to hold each other accountable to it. And we're not going to call each other out when we fall short, but we're going to call them up because we've agreed on a high standard of excellence. We've agreed that if we fall short of that high standard of excellence, I'm going to hold you accountable because I love you and I care about your success. That's more than anything what accountability is. It's telling someone we agreed on a high standard. We both believe the other is capable of this standard. And so when one of us falls short, the other one is to call us up because they believe that we need to rise to that occasion and we're capable of more than we're doing. And so at that point, it's about calling each other up. It's about when one of our team members seems to be slacking, it's about coming alongside of them and reminding them, hey, you're better than this. We agreed on this expectation to be part of the team. This is what we agreed upon. I know you can do it because I've seen you do it. Mm. Can you give me your best tomorrow? Can you give me your best for the rest of this afternoon? Can you show me what it looks like? And so what we have to do is start speaking life into those people. And then when we're doing that, then we're able to build in that scoreboard. Well, man, Mark won this week. Mark was making the most calls. Mark was on his phone. He was calling the right prospects. He was getting some opportunities. John, you didn't make any calls this week. Let's talk about what happened. Where did you lose control of your schedule? Hmm. Why didn't you pick up the phone? Then because we built the relationship, we can have these conversations to get more out of them. And then hmm. we can talk about the score. And then that scoreboard is going to motivate a man. John, last week you were on fire. This week you weren't. Let's talk about that. How do we improve that? And so that's where we go. But it starts with relationship. It starts with connection, building trust, because once we build that trust, then we've earned the right to hold each other accountable to the high standard of excellence that we've set. I think that standards, right? Standards really stands out to me. Accountability gets passed around a lot, but I think we'd be better off with more standards and less goals. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, it's you earn your championships in practice. You pick them up on game day. It's Mm -hmm. the same with sales. If we focus on the sales goal, we're going to probably struggle. If we focus on the things within our control that help us achieve that sales goal, we get there. If we focus on building a company of standards, what are our standards? If you join, this is what you're going to be held accountable to. If you don't hold these accountable, we're going to call you up. If you don't meet that standard after being called up, you're off the bus. You're on a new team. And that sounds strict, but really it's not. It's saying, I love you enough to want to see you succeed. And sometimes that's uncomfortable to get out of your comfort zone, to grow into who you're capable of becoming, but it beats the alternative of living below your potential, not getting to the level in sales that you could be or level of success that you could be. And then you would be mad at me for not pushing you. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to push you with love upward and to hold you to that standard. And if we all have high standards for how we do business, how we treat our clients and how we treat each other, our business is going to succeed. We're going to go into E9 Rapid Fire, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and have people, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Where would you like to point people to before we go into E9? Make it super easy. CompeteEveryday.com is kind of the one-stop hub for everything. Speaking gear, it'll send you all out from there. 
And then I'm personally most active on LinkedIn and you can just search Jake Thompson. I'll pop up speaker or Instagram, which is Jake Thompson speak. So shoot me a note. Would love to say hi. If you're a leader listening to this, you have a question about anything that we've talked about here on the show, uh, just shoot me an email to Jake at competeeveryday.com, And I'm happy to either answer your email or hop on the phone and answer a quick question. Awesome. Well, I can see why you're so successful in your speaking. I mean, you like, it got me fired up, man. I am ready to go out. I'm going to call some people. As soon as we get done, I was writing down, I was like, I'm going to go compete today. I'm going to go compete after this 30 minutes. I'm going to make some sales calls right after this. I am. I'm fi- you got me fired up, man. All right. I love it because it's all about Instead of what we think we're capable of, there's always a little more in the tank. And so what can we do today to just find a little bit more to see what we're capable of? Because as you know this, and I know this, as men, as women, as leaders, as family members, like there's other people watching us. And if we can model the behavior to them, then we can encourage them to follow suit and do the same. Yeah. That's such a good point. People are paying attention more than what we think that they are. Always. All right, man. You ready for the E9 rapid fire? Let's do it. Last book you read. Last book I read. I have to think about it. I can't even remember the title of it. Oh, I did. Just finished it last night. The War on Small Business by Carol Roth. Oh, would you recommend it? I would. It's just about how over the last 18 months, entrepreneurs and small business owners kind of got the raw end of the deal and how big, big business didn't. And so it may not sit well with some readers, but it's a fascinating look at how the government, both parties handled the last 24 months and and things that led up to it and how it really hurt a lot of small businesses during the COVID shutdown and pandemic. So I follow Carol. She does a lot of great work on capitalism and entrepreneurship and small businesses. And so I was happy to support her book and really ended up enjoying it and learning a lot more about some of the things in terms of the Fed and stuff that I wasn't quite as familiar with prior. Leaders or readers, what's the book that you would recommend the most to other small business owners? If you struggle with your finances, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. If you struggle with your sales, anything by Phil M. Jones. And Hmm. he's written exactly what to say, exactly how to sell, exactly when to start. But if you're an audio person, which listening to this, you probably are, head on over to Audible and pick up his Persuade and Get Paid uh, audio book. It's an audio workshop. I was actually in the audience. He's a speaker, a friend of mine, but I think he's one of the best in the business on sales and changing the way you have conversations. So for business leaders, if you're struggling with finances in your business, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz is a game changer. Really all of Mike's books are game changers. And then Phil Jones, anything to do with sales and communication is amazing. Awesome. Good recommendation. Fantastic. We've had Mike McCallowitz on the podcast. Yeah. His books right, were game cool. changers for me. So yeah. I can say that from experience. No doubt. No doubt. You've traveled the world. Your favorite place you've ever traveled to. I really, and I didn't think I would. I love Whistler. Love mm. Canada. I just got back from Greece for my wife's 40th and it was beautiful and amazing. But my bucket list is New Zealand. I'm hoping to book a client in Australia sometime before then, but if not, my 40th is in two years and that is where we're going for my bucket list trip is Australia, New Zealand. So, but Whistler, Canada, I love summers and winters. It's just tough to beat. That is a beautiful area. Vancouver, we went there a few years ago. It is a beautiful part of the world for sure. Okay, next question. So if you could sit next to anybody dead or alive on a plane for 10 hours, who would it be? Ooh, dead or alive for 10 hours on a plane. I actually would be fascinated to sit by Andy Frasilla. Oh, yeah. First yeah. one. 
And the reason being is Andy's built multiple businesses. A lot of people don't know a lot of his businesses, but he's built it with a products business first and then his brand after. And I'm fascinated by that as someone who's been in the product space business as well because of inventory and everything else that goes into it. And so I would just be fascinated to sit and talk because we align very much in terms of life, in terms of mentality on a lot of things, very different approaches to it. And so I would pick his brain about years two through five more than I would care about the last three years. Your best tip for an aspiring speaker. Get reps, get reps, speak for free, work on how you communicate. I could give you a list of books to read to start with, but the most important thing for someone that's like, oh, I've got a great story, or, oh, I wanna be a speaker, speak as much as you can for free, get on stages, practice being in front of people, practice telling stories, and just build your awareness. More than anything, your first couple of years, you're not getting paid hardly anything. You're speaking for free to get really good. And more importantly, to show that you can deliver value from the stage that's gonna help an audience or a company solve the problem that they're trying to solve. 10 years ago, fill in the blank. 10 years ago, I had no idea this would be so hard. Honestly, I would say managing marriage and life and business, managing it all. I've been married for six years now. Uh, didn't realize as a single guy how much more you get accomplished pre-marriage. And I know parenthood is coming and how much more you get accomplished before being a dad. And so for me, it was not understanding how much commitment would take in that. And I would say on the flip side of that, from a business standpoint, I didn't quite understand how busy you could get doing things that don't really help the business get better and how you have to be so intentional with where you spend your time and where you put your focus. When you're not working, speaking, spending time with your family, what's your favorite hobby? Love to work out. It's a great outlet for me. Getting back into golf now, which still kind of working out. And then if I ever need to unplug, I go to the movies. I love a good bucket of popcorn in a movie because I don't have my phone on. I've locked into what's going on and I'm being told a story, which always helps me. How do I better communicate stories? So for me, if I'm not working out and I've got free time, I'm going to go catch a movie. Who is one or two people that you personally follow that you learn from the most? Ooh, good question. I really, and I'm going to blank on this person's name, which is pretty horrible of my end, but he's fantastic. I think his name is Steve. I'm going to find it and I'm going to give everybody his info because his Instagram is phenomenal on teaching branding and marketing. And I think he is just absolutely Stephen Miller. So the Stephen Miller for anybody that if my phone will ever, nope, not going to work. There it goes. There the Stephen yeah. Miller, phenomenal on content around building your personal brand, which we know as, as owners of agencies or solo shops, your personal brand influences how you do business. So he is 100% someone that I follow and learn a ton from. And then Phil, Phil Jones that I mentioned earlier from his book. I've read all his books. I've listened to him as well. I learn a ton from his content on just ways I can better position myself. That's awesome. I'm going to have to invite both of those guys to come on the podcast, actually. Sure. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? It's not about you more than anything. It's not about you. Leadership is not about accumulating followers for fame. It's about how many other leaders you can help create that'll make their own impact in their circles. That's awesome. 
Jake, I've learned a heck of a lot from you, man. This has been a great conversation. I can't believe we've already gone almost an hour in this. It just goes by so fast. I could talk to you about so many other things. I uh, hope to have you back on in the future. We'll make sure that we put all of the show notes and uh, links to where people can find you in our email and obviously, you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast in our show notes. So Jake, thanks so much for your time. Dude, appreciate it. I'm happy to run it back with you anytime. I love that conversation with Jake. I get really fired up whenever I get around people like Jake. And there's a lot of different motivational speakers, et cetera. But I really like whenever people bring something down from the high level to the eye level, that something that I can take away from that and actually implement in my business. A few things that really stood out to me, the heart to head connection, a standard of excellence, accountability, and having high standards. And my overall message that I'm going to take away from this is work harder on yourself than anything else. You guys work really hard on your businesses, but your business is only as good as the speed of the leader. And so work harder on yourself than anything else. What are the things that you're doing to make sure that you're developing yourself so that you can become a better person? Tony Robbins has said, we overestimate what we can get done in a year and underestimate what we can get done over a decade or two or three decades. And I think that's so true. Over the next 10 years, I mean, if you think about it right now, that would be 2031. Not only what are all the accomplishments are you going to have in your business, but who are you going to become over the next 10 years? And is that going to be intentionally or are you just going to allow that to happen? And I think porn into yourself and developing yourself is the most important thing that you can do. And I think, hey, pick up his book, Compete Every Day. I read it and I actually bought it for my team members and actually some clients and uh, thought it's fantastic. So make sure you visit Jake's website, Compete Every Day. Hey, we wouldn't be able to have this podcast if it wasn't for our sponsors, Club Capital, Direct Clicks, and Coach P Consulting. All of them, world-class people, businesses, and organizations to be able to help take your organization to the next level. Make sure you go to club.capital to book your no obligation demo. If you're ready to get to the next level and you're ready to actually compete either on a local level or on a national level, you need the skill set and the tool set to be able to do that. And that's what Coach P Consulting can do for you. Go to coachpconsulting.com. And then whenever you're ready to actually develop an SEO or PPC campaign and actually have an online presence that you can be proud of, go to directclicksinc.com. Until next episode, lead well.